0: we go on what's going to be a real hot sunday morning in july in las vegas i'm brian feldman and this is out of line we are here every sunday morning at 8 on fox sports radio 98.9 fm and 1340 am flagship of the vegas golden knights we are coming to you live from the wisden in las vegas because for over two years Uh, The fading pandemic continues to keep us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studios. Uh, Joining me on the show is our social media director, my co-host, Spencer the Wiz Oztrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz.
1: Nobody beats the Wiz.
0: Back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studios producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows, the Lotus Broadcasting is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out Fox LV. And since we are live Your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. On tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702 964 5720 to get information on all the home financing options available in Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights pick up six players in the entry draft. Uh, The Raiders made history in a good way this week. John Whitman Jr., founder and chairman of the board of GG Tour Inc. will join the show, a segment. Gamers will not want to miss. As a matter of fact, nobody will want to miss the segment. The NBA Summer League is heating up at the Thomas and Mac and Cox Pavilion. The WNBA All-Star break comes at a good time for the Aces, who have four players in today's game. The MLB all-star game is a little over a week away and a couple of old familiar faces uh, just were announced that we'll be playing in the game. I'm happy as hell about one of them. The men's final at Wimbledon is happening right now as we speak. And uh, the first place Las Vegas aviators are returning to the Las Vegas ballpark for a six-game homestand uh, starting on Tuesday. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp Funding America one day at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all your home financing options in Nevada. What's going on, Spence, man? A week off last week on the 4th of July. I played a lot of poker, didn't make any money in the World Series. Maybe today, who knows? But, um, you know, it was actually kind of weird to have a Sunday where we didn't do the show. I didn't remember the last time. We just didn't have a show on a Sunday morning.
2: I think the last time I'm seriously, I think the last time was when the pandemic started, like that's how long it's been. Like we took a week off because like the whole world stopped for that week. And I think, uh, yeah, so we don't take time off a lot, but uh, as always, Brian, it is a whiz tastic Sunday.
0: <laughs> whiztastic. tastic. I love the, the, I love the, the saying, Spence, you're, you're uh, following in some footsteps. Um, you know, uh, we'll get right into the nutcap in a second, but a lot going on this weekend. Starting with Wimbledon, real quick, Spence. Before we get into it, uh, going on right now, pretty cool. I don't know if you watched the women's final um, yesterday, but um, um, Elena, I, I believe it's a robotic, is the way you pronounce her name. First win ever, really cool. She's Russian, I think. Cats catch a scan first player ever from there to win uh, a major at Wimbledon. I think a major period, but it was really cool. And um, uh, she's like six feet tall too. She's a really tall woman, very strong, 23 years old. And she was ranked 17th going in. She beat number three, another great name, Anz Jaber. I just, and and Anz is spelled like, just like it sounds O-N-S. But it was a really good match and it was pretty cool. Uh, She beat her in three sets and right now, as we speak, the men's finals going on and it's a pretty interesting final Djokovic who's going for his 21st title at the beginning of the season you had three of the greatest of all time all tied with 20 major championships Nadal starts the year on fire winning the first two and now has 22 but Joker can pick up number 21 today at Wimbledon. He's won 20 straight matches at Wimbledon. But what's crazy thing is going up a guy that's never won a major, never played. I don't think he's ever played a major final in a Nick Kyrgios but it's pretty cool. The guy's Australian. No Australians reached the final since like 2005. But what's really cool is he's played Djokovic twice in his career, and he's beaten him both times. So, and last time I checked, Spencer, you can give me an update right now. But I think they they each had won one set. They were in the third set, and I think uh, Kyrgios was ahead when I looked a few minutes ago. What's going on?
2: Yeah, so we are in the third set, and it is currently flip flop. It is close. We are. Uh, Djokovic is up five,
0: four at the current moment, but he was down to start it. So, uh, sounds pretty intense, you know, you know, what's cool about this curious, if you're not feeling, and this is when I really, you know, not that I don't miss him at other times, but Frank Harnish, man, just was my go-to for tennis. I mean, this guy just knew the sport, knew everything about it. You know, loved it as much as most of us love the the four major sports here. That's how into tennis uh, Frank was. He would love this right now. This curious guy, his demeanor is a lot like John McEnroe. He yells at the official. He slaps his racket on the ground. He absolutely intentionally plays slow. it's, it's really kind of cool to watch him uh, play the game. And I, I'm, I'm recording it. I'm going to go home and watch the match because this should be pretty interesting. I can't imagine Joker losing this final as well as he's played at Wimbledon. But um, – you know, you just don't know. This curious guy kind of is able to play him and and, and sets up well to play his game. So, Frank, man, uh, um I, probably not listening. To, uh, hopefully doing something way cooler than listening to this show right now. But, um, you know, man, you'd really be enjoying this week at Wimbledon. It's pretty cool. All right, Spence, go ahead and hit it. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play
3: every game. It's time for
0: Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. So, uh, always starts here with uh, Nightcap and the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Vegas Golden Knights made six selections as part of the 2022 NHL entry draft in Montreal, uh, securing four forwards, one defenseman, and one goaltender mags i know that you've got your finger on the pulse of what's always happening with the vegas golden knights not super familiar with the guys that they drafted did a little bit of due diligence on it but what did you think of this year's entry draft
3: well i i think we also need to consider that jack eichel was essentially their number one pick or their first round pick because that's why they did not have a first round pick this year it was sent to buffalo along with alex tuck and and peyton krebs for jack eichel so when you factor that in, the fact that you got a, a potential point of game player already on your roster, I think you need to consider that in this year's draft. Look, Golden Knights did not have um, a ton of picks. They traded some up to to, to draft a player. Um, so, so it's you know it, it's funny. I I think when it comes to the NHL draft because I've, I've I've been to one. I went to the one in Vancouver when Peyton Krebs, ironically, was was the Golden Knights' first pick in that draft. But, you know, Brian, it, it's kind of a, a, of a crap shoot. You know, it's, it's a lot like the major league baseball draft in that there's just so many players from so many different parts of the world that it's impossible to to nail it down to a perfect science. Like I think after the first round, a lot of times it just becomes, it just becomes a, a matter of does this player fit within our system? Can we make him a better player? And can we make him an NHL player? And I think that's the situation that the Golden Knights found themselves in. Look, the, the the sad reality, Brian, is that over the course of the Golden Knights history, outside of Nick Hague, they have not drafted one player who has played significant minutes for them. They traded away Nick Suzuki. They traded away <laughs> Eric Brandstrom. They've traded away Peyton Krebs. Uh, so, so you can go down through their draft history and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of these, none of these players that they've drafted in this year's draft will, will, will significantly figure into their plans in the very near future. Most of them are guys who are development players. We may never even see them play for Henderson. Um, so, so that's that's the reality of the NHL draft. Look, overall, I think they did okay with what they had. Um, I I think the uh, the number one pick. Um that they, that they drafted. Uh, Matias Sapolov. He's uh, he's an interesting prospect. He's a tall kid. He's 6'3, but he's a little little light. He's only 183 pounds. So um, you know, it, it sounds like he he's got the potential to be an NHL player. Where he fits, I don't know. He's a center, so obviously that's a premium position. Um and I, I heard him describe himself as a bit of a puck possession guy. He also compared his game to Mika Rantanen and Tomas Hurdle. So if he turns out to be one of those two guys and the Golden Knights got themselves a really damn good player, because one of them is a Stanley Cup champion, the other is is a really, really good player. So, um, look, it, it, it comes down to development now. The Golden Knights now are on the, the onus to develop and make these kids that they've drafted turn them into good players. Most of them are going to be at development camp, which starts on Monday, tomorrow actually, and I, I think it's hard to judge a draft class right after a draft, especially in the NHL because so many of these kids are going to go back to juniors. Uh, some will go back to college. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I'll be curious to see how how some of these guys look at City National this week um, because, as I said, development camp starts tomorrow. But uh, like I said, Brian, the outside of Nick Haig, there's not one player that this team has drafted that, that has shown... That they are an NHL player. We could even look at Cody Glass, who I mean, I, I should, I should rephrase that. Nick Suzuki is an NHL player, but oh, he's no,
0: no an NHL all- All-Star.
3: Yeah, and he he's obviously not on the draft anymore or on the team anymore. He's clearly the best player that they've ever drafted. So, at least as of now, Peyton Krebs may, may turn out to be a better player. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But they don't have one player that they've drafted on their roster outside of Nick Hague, who's played significant NHL minutes. So they're going to have to get better at this in the long run. They're going to have to start nailing some of these draft picks, and they're going to have to start holding on to some of these players because I think the idea now that, ooh, we want this player, we're willing to give away prospect A, B, and C and a pick to get this player, I think those days have to be over because the teams that are successful in the NHL are teams that draft well, Teams that find players that fit exactly what they want. Look, Colorado Colorado Avalanche sucked five years ago. They were the worst team in the NHL. They ended up getting the fourth overall pick. They didn't get the first pick. They got the fourth pick. And who did they take? They took Kyle McCarr, who arguably might be the best player in the NHL right now. And and the well,
0: best defensive player this year, he won yeah. the Norris Trophy. And he won the Conn Smythe trophy. So
3: he's won every major NHL award except the Hart, basically. Um, you know, he's won the Stanley Cup, he won the Calder Trophy, he won the Norris trophy, he won the Conn Smythe trophy. Look, outside of the Heart, I don't know if there's a player who who could say that that, you know, that that they've done that at his age. So uh Brian, it it really comes down to development now. You drafted these kids. You're gonna to have to send them back to juniors, see how they progress in juniors, and then when they get here, you have to develop them. You have to turn them into NHL players. How many NHL players they have out of this year's draft class? I don't know, Brian, but judging by the track record of this franchise, I don't know if it's if it, if they have any. You know it. Well, this it is-
0: it's like you said, Chris, this is an area they need to improve on, on their scouting and checking these players out. As you mentioned, I mean, Jack Eichel, one of the best gets they've ever gotten. I mean, I was thrilled when with Pacioretty. I was thrilled with Stone. Um, obviously, Alex Petrangelo. But uh, Martinez, but the, but the bottom line is is Jack Eichel is to me was the best get this team's ever got. Well worth the first pick or the first round draft pick in the entry level draft, and they really did get a pick in every other round. Chris, uh, four of these six guys are 18 years old. One's 19. Uh, the the goaltender's 19, and one guy's 20 years old. So you know, as you said, going back to college, a lot of these guys are just getting ready to start college, and that's really when you most see what you see in the NHL entry draft is kids that are 17 to 19, maybe 20 years old. So you really don't know how they're going to develop. As you mentioned, so Pavlov, you know, he's, he's only 183 pounds, but the kid's 18 years old. Uh, you, you can do a lot of growing as we see college football players. What happens to them between 18 and 21 is pretty yeah. unbelievable. So this kid could grow. He could be this decent like you said he's a centerman it'll be interesting left-handed kid and uh, you know they like him they seem to like this kid a lot they did pick up a goaltender with the third pick in their fourth round but you know like you said Chris it's a crapshoot you just never know usually Top picks are no misses. Cody Glass, a little maybe an exception to the rule, but you know you look a couple of years ago when uh, Connor McDavid followed by Jack Eichel. I mean, the yeah. draft that was two of the greatest, if not the two best players in the league when they're at the top of their game right now. Taking nothing away from Austin Matthews, you've got to be in that discussion as well. But no doubt about it, uh, it is a crapshoot. You don't know, you know, Kale McCarr taken high by the Avalanche, but who knew he was going to develop into, you know, at the age of 23 years old, maybe the best defenseman in the national hockey league. Yeah. I mean, Sean McDonough wanted to marry the guy during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Every time he <laughs> talked about a game, I don't think he went through seven sentences without saying he's the best defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. Thank God he won the Norris, the trophy to make that, that statement accurate. But, um, no, I, uh, I, no, like you said, you kind of scratch your head. Uh, we'll leave the Knights alone. I, I w- did want to talk a little bit more about Riley Smith. Everyone's still waiting for that announcement to be final. We know that he's, he verbally agreed to a contract. like to hear it be etched in stone, which we'll probably hear in the next coming weeks. Um, but let's move on, Spence. A lot more to talk about it. Go ahead and hit, hit Fact This. Fact This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This. Fact. The Raiders are no stranger to breaking color and gender barriers in the NFL. The team hired Art Shell as the first black head coach of the modern NFL era and made Amy Trask the first female CEO in league history. Former head coach Tom Flores also was the first Hispanic head coach to win a Super Bowl. This pattern continued this past Thursday when the Las Vegas Raiders announced the hiring of the new team president, Sandra Douglas Morgan, who became the first black female team president in league history. Um,
4: My honor to be here today as the newest member of the Raiders family. As I shared with the team earlier today, I was raised in Las Vegas and have truly witnessed this city ascend to one of the sports capitals of the world. Um, Visited by millions across the globe and it is an honor of a lifetime to serve as the president of this organization The Raiders or the Raiders organization has actually brought 2.29 billion dollars in economic impact of visitors for events in in Allegiant Stadium and the estimated impact of the Super Bowl in 2024 is estimated to be in the billions as well We have so much more to do and I'm excited to be at the helm of that growth and look forward to ushering in the new chapter for the Raiders. I've been an attorney for 20 years, but I have led and managed very large teams, uh, managing, you know, budgets of hundreds of millions of dollars. I've had the honor of serving on boards of public companies that have market capitalization of over billions of dollars. And so I think my um, business acumen will definitely benefit the Raiders. I think my community contacts here will assist a lot of our stakeholders and um, partners. I've had to deal with maybe in a different role as a regulator, but just as important here with the Raiders. I definitely will lean on and can't wait to, to work with Uh, Dave Ziegler and Coach McDaniels as well. I know that their expertise on the football side is a tremendous asset to the Raiders. Um, There's been a a lot of changes over the last six months, but I know that Mark has made those intentionally and just really looking forward to the future.
0: One thing that hasn't changed watching that video, Spencer, in the last 16 years is Mark Davis's haircut. But uh, a lot has changed for the Raiders. And you know something? This is not just a historical hire of somebody of color and gender. It is a hire of somebody that makes perfect sense, and I really like this hire. A Las Vegas native, Uh, last year Sandra Morgan was named vice chair of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. She's broken barriers in the past. She was the first African-American city attorney in the state of Nevada and was the first African-American and second female chair of the city of the control board, the gaming control board. Uh, Spence, this is a great hire, um, and she definitely was very vocal about the fact she understands what's been being said behind the scenes. The quick interim president firing, and he, and you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how he wasn't fired because of what he was saying about what was going on internally and uh, the way people were being treated, the way people of gender they were talking about, you know, female employees were being discredited and put down. I really think she is going to come in and I think Sandra Douglas Morgan is going to kick some ass and help this franchise. And I just think it really is a positive thing for the Las Vegas community. You know, not only gender and African-American to bring her into this position, an attorney for years and somebody that's highly intelligent. But again, a Las Vegas local person, Spencer, that we can all relate to. Pretty cool.
2: No, it is really cool. And but you did talk about that. And I do think it's worth mentioning that. The presidential role in the raiders organization is passed around more than a beach ball at a Nickelback concert for whatever reason i don't know i mean it's not good so hopefully this one sticks around clearly uh you know she's well qualified very well spoken so hopefully she represents the organization well but there is one question i want to ask you and something has changed like tremendously within the raiders organization i don't know what it was though mark davis has completely changed the way he's run this maybe it's the pizzazz of being in Las Vegas and it was like the transition period was weird. But for you, what do you think, like, who got into Mark Davis's ear? Like it almost feels like there's someone like that has influenced and changed his life forever. I I don't know how to explain it, but this is not how the Raiders have been normally run
0: in the past. No, it's really it's really cool and welcome changes. And I know I'll bet there's a few people in his ear, Spencer. And also one of the things taking into consideration when you're watching the changes, the hoopla, him buying the Las Vegas Aces, which has really been a great thing for that organization. But I I you know what I honestly think it was. I think it was attending Golden Knights games. I think he saw the opportunity here in Las Vegas to really make uh, a sports franchise or sports franchises, an event, a show, something different. And, and, Bill Foley and the Vegas Golden Knights really have stepped things up to a whole new level with the way these games are. As I tell everyone, I've said it for years, if you want to know what a Vegas Golden Knights game going to one is, it's like going to a Las Vegas show and a hockey game breaks out. That's what it's like. And Mark Davis, I think, is taking that concept and trying to see what he could do with the Raiders. I mean, Spencer, they have the stadium. You know, one of my good friends was in town a couple of weeks ago. We played in the Jay Schrader golf outing together and, um, you know, he was saying we drove past Allegiant Stadium, and he wanted to check it out, and he's like, wow, that is, like, ridiculous. And I always say – you know, if you haven't been to Detroit and seen Ford Field and how connected Ford Field and Comerica Park is, they've really done a great thing there with that. And Ford Field is really cool with the history of the jail, Hudson building actually built right into part of the stadium, a building that was constructed in the 1920s in Detroit. But with Allegiant Stadium, it is as state-of-the-art as it gets. It is such a great venue for viewing sporting events, even way up in the press box. How beautiful is that entire venue when you look at the scene? You can look out the big giant window where the torch is, and you can see the the 15 and cars racing by. You see the skyline of Las Vegas. I mean, it is incredible. And Mark Davis seems to wanting to run to using that venue the way that the Knights, the Golden Knights, use T-Mobile Arena, and it's really cool and it's special.
2: Well, there's just, okay, there's one last thing I want to talk about because I feel like this hire is officially the cleanest house that the Raiders have had. How long do they get? Just straight up, how long does the new regime get? Is it just so new that they're going to get five years because it's like they went all out for it, or how, like how much pressure is the organization going to get? And, and I know we have a lot of time to talk about the Raiders, but like I just feel like this is the new leaf. Like this is it. Like there's no more stones to churn. Like this is it. What do you give the this regime? Now,
0: you Spencer, you give them a little bit of time, but not a lot. And here's why not a lot. The team is built to win right now. I mean, last year they went to the postseason, went on the road, and nearly defeated a team that competed for the Super Bowl in the Cincinnati Bengals. They played they they played them as well as anybody other than the Rams in the postseason. So. You know, to say that they're not expected to do well right now, I think they are. Yes, the controversy of last season, you know, does hold over. Obviously, John Gruden left a stench. Henry Ruggs, one of the most tragic NFL stories in the past two decades. I mean, just just ridiculous. I actually I was talking about uh, that last night at a poker tournament. We're talking about the the tragedy of the Henry Rugg story. But you know, I really like the hire. I think that uh, that this will this will chasing Sandra will come in and, and clean clean house as far as making sure things are running right and a lot of the negativity that you hear will stop in the front office but the front office is not the field this team is built on the field to win right now they've got bookends on defense now which is a pass rush which is something you have to have and their pass rush should be competitive with the best pass rushes in the nfl right now
2: or in our division I for say, for at le- the even division.
0: in the, divi- well, the division <laughs> is as good as it gets but you know they're built, and and you know, and, and again, right now, Derek Carr. This is his year. Last year, he stepped up and he played as well as he had since the season they won eleven games. In this is the year for Derek Carr to step up and take this team to the next level. I mean, I don't think the, the expectations to me, Spencer. Are this team wins needs to win now, and not only win now, they've got to get to the postseason, and I think win a game in the playoffs this year, even with the new head coach, even with the new president. I still think they're going to be expected to win right now. They're built to do that. And, uh, and and that's just what I think about. it. Hey, listen, our guest is our guest with us. All right. Well, I want to I want to get to uh, get to a guest today. Uh, looking forward to having uh, this guy on. I know Spencer's been really looking forward to being a gamer yourself, Spencer. And exciting, but joining the show right now via Streamyard um, is our guest today, and is uh, John Whitman Jr. He's the founder and chairman of the board of GG Tour Inc. Um, it's an esports company that hosts online tournaments for competitive video games. The company recently struck a deal with the Metaverse worth $100 million. Pretty darn cool. John, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me this morning. Absolutely. Spence, I'm going to let you jump right in here because he is chopping at the big... <laughs> I giant. I, am. I literally he, am. <laughs> he has been waiting for this interview since he told me about it like a month and a half ago. He's texting me yesterday while I'm reporting, hey, John's coming on tomorrow. So I got myself versed with it. Um It is really incredible what is taking place with the metaverse. If you're not familiar with Facebook out there, you should be. And the term should be familiar to you. But Spence, go ahead, man. I'm going to let you lead the show here.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, John, again for coming. And the first thing I want to talk about is the metaverse. Because, you know, when formerly Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg came out and he said, we're changing the whole branding of the company. It was controversial. And honestly, like the stock, it plummeted like pretty hard. And it's still kind of low to this day. So okay, let's take us back before this deal is struck. You heard that Facebook is changing to the Metaverse. Did did it strike in your mind at that moment? Like, where did it come from? Like, what were you thinking?
1: Well, you know, I, when when he when he switched uh, switched directions, came uh, Meta. I, I really didn't put a lot of thought into it at that point. Uh, and let me tell you how I kind of started investigating the Metaverse and and how I got involved in it and why maybe this explanation will help you understand why I chose the metaverse as, as my next big thing, my big investment. So I was looking, you know, obviously we run a uh, video game tournament company. So my goal is to try to get as many registered players as I possibly can. So I want, so I'll give you an example. We, it took us a, almost a year and a half to get to 5,000 registered players. It's only taken me six months to get to 70,000 registered players. Wow. But I want that number to jump to 20 million registered players. So how do, how do we do that effectively? So our first thought was, well, we'll go buy a brick and mortar building, we'll set up an esports venue, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll hold on uh, competitions at our, at our physical location. People will fly in from all over the world and have tournaments and we'll give away cash and prizes like we do online. And I started crunching the numbers, and by the time I bought a building, say in Orlando, I bought a building in Orlando for five million dollars. I spent another two million dollars on uh, the electronics and the and the video game boards and all the things you have to do and all the wow. bells and whistles. I, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, maybe I can run, you know, hundred tournaments a year, and maybe I can get twenty thousand people through the through the door. And then I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a more effective, cost effective way to my shareholders other than this. So I started investigating the metaverse. I said, okay, wonder what what's what is the. That, that's when Zuckerberg popped into my head. Okay, so if Zuckerberg spent this many billions, changed the name of his company, there's got to be a little something to this metaverse. So the more I began to explore it, I started looking at all the metaverses that were available and what did each one offer? What did they each, each one have? So what I learned was that what, we're cap- what we have the capability of doing in the metaverse is now I can set up a, that same, instead of brick and mortar, a virtual uh, sports arena. I can run 30 tournaments at one time in a day, maybe 40. I can have thousands of gamers playing, millions of people watching those, those games take place for a fraction of the cost that a brick and mortar building would go. And I'm not limp. There's no limit. There's no cap on how many people can participate and view these events live and participate in these events. So that's, that's really, that was my motivator, right? So then we, I take it a step further. The YTCG world, why did I choose that particular metaverse? And the reason I picked it was because it's built, that particular universe is built on a gaming, on a gaming platform. What that means is, let's say there's two big metaverses out there, been around for a while. you probably heard about them, Decentraland, Sandbox. So if you go to those guys, and let's say you build a golf course, an 18-hole golf course, in those uh, metaverses, you can look at your golf course. That's all you can do. You can build it, look at it, admire what you did. In our metaverse, in GG Tour City, I can build an 18-hole golf course, I can play the 18-hole golf course. Not only can I play it, but if I want to force them and I got a guy in Seattle, a friend of mine in Seattle, I got a friend in, in London, I got a friend in Puerto Rico, and I'm in Tampa, we can still play virtually together for that 18 holes. So there's really unlimited amount of potential. of If your mind can think about it, we can build it in this metaverse, and it's expandable. So let's say I buy a plot of land that's 128 meters by 128 meters, 20, you know, 25 meters high, or 250 meters high. And I've capped out that space. Because we're built on a gaming platform, now I can do some other cool things. I can tunnel underneath my space. I can build a network of things underneath. Uh, games that people can play. So they come to visit me. Let's say they're taking a break from playing a game. They can go down a tunnel and go capture some some, uh, some, uh, some, Bitcoin or whatever that we offer down and below and play games down there and then pop back up. And then they could go throughout the city. So when, when I started talking with TCG World and, and I told him what my idea was about the G, my eSports arena, he said, well, that's great. So you want a parcel? I said, no, I want the entire city. Now, why do I want the entire, why did I want 4,144 parcels at $100 million? Here's why. I wanted to put together a city of sports and entertainment companies. So that means professional sports, professional sports franchises. And why do I want those? Because they have, what do they have? They have millions of followers each. I mean, tens of millions. If you take uh, Manchester United, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you you, you know, you, the Chicago Cubs. Atlanta Braves, all of these guys have a built-in network of millions and millions and millions of followers. So the metaverse is going to be content-driven, right? So all of these, those people have content. Let's talk about um, other, in other entertainment, um, music catalogs. So you bring in a guy like Dr. Dre, or you bring with the enormous catalog that they offer. And now we can run online concerts. So in our world, let's say we're going to run a Snoop Dogg concert, right? Now, so, Snoop, so today, Snoop Dogg would go out and rent an arena if he was going to do a, a, a concert. He would go out and rent an arena, house 25,000 people, right? So he spends God knows how much, you know, several million dollars renting the arena. He's got to charge 130 bucks a ticket. And all he can fit is whatever that arena is capable of holding Now we can build him a stadium in the metaverse. Snoop Dogg now can say, I'm going to hold a concert on January the 10th. Snoop Dogg puts it out there to his database of millions and millions of followers. Now, instead of 25,000, he can charge five bucks a ticket, maybe three bucks a ticket, but he can have millions of people. Snoop can be in his living room and his avatar will perform live for him and he can have millions of people paying three or four dollars. So guys, it's just amazing what can happen. And then we talk about, you know, the Vegas connection. Later on, you can incorporate sports bet. You, there's just a ton of stuff that you can do later on to just keep adding and adding and adding. So the whole idea behind GG Tour City is building a group of, of companies that are all in the entertainment, sports, music, movies. And so as these millions of people come, whether they're playing my tournament my gaming tournaments or whether they're going to a concert or whether they're doing some things with the professional sports teams while they're in my virtual city they'll go around to the other so one business scratches the back of the other business wow and scratches Uh, the back of the other business it becomes a community that that plays off of each other and every member of that community helps so I'll one, one more thing, and then I'll, then I'll shut up and let you ask questions. So you can't tell I get excited about this. So let's say it's not all about money. Although, you know, we, obviously I would like to sell all these parcels to the right people. But if a you know, I could sell out in five minutes if I opened it to pornography, you know, where the porn guys don't want it. it they, I don't care how much money they offered, Never, be, never happened never happen if there's a THC anything with, with marijuana THC won't sell them I will not sell those people um as popular as Dr. Oz is for example if Dr. Oz wanted to come in he's got a lot of content he's got a lot of followers my concern I wouldn't sell to him because what if he did one segment that irritated a big part of my pop of, of my viewership so I'm going to be really selective of who, who I bring into the community because they're going to have to benefit the other members within my community.
0: Way any idea of some of the larger sponsors that you are talking to? I mean, you know, so the big shoe companies. I mean, because obviously those are the types of businesses that make perfect sense. There's no controversy with them and, uh, and right. they love spending money. And especially on something like this, I got to imagine they're chomping at the bit to get involved. Well, that's right. Well, I
1: I just, you know, honestly, we just launched and announced this on June 14th. So really this Vegas show that we're attending right now, the Metaverse Expo is kind of our, our, our coming out party, if you will. So uh, I will tell you that I've been astounded since we made the announcement just a couple of weeks ago that we made this acquisition. I'm really shocked at how many people are calling me. And you're right. There, there, there are some of those and, and I'm not going to, I don't want to name a lot of names here, but I will tell you that that we're talking to some some really very large corporations and engaging in a business. But you know, my parcels sell anywhere from well, there's little tiny parcels for like eighty four hundred dollars, but my my commercial parcel parcels start at three hundred seventy five thousand and they go to twenty eight million dollars. Right. So you're not going to sell a $28 million parcel in, in a night, you know, that's going to, that's going to take some time and negotiations and what have you.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. But it, it, it's not surprising when you mention metaverse and getting involved with, especially with a platform that you're that you, that you founded here. I don't think you'll have any problem. Yeah, th- those are very large dollar figures. But we see what endorsements and sponsorships bring. And I don't think, uh, based on what I'm seeing and the, the little bit of due diligence I've done talking with Spencer, I don't think you'll have any problems. Um, getting these. I'm just imagining. Uh, th- this is amazing because it's going beyond like a virtual reality. Reality type of thing. This is reality, like you said. Snoop's fans from all over can see him perform live uh, for three bucks. I mean, that 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 kind of thing is really yeah. really cool and very very unique and 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 very a, a great foresight. It really is.
2: Yeah. So I just have I just have one last question, and it's really about virtual reality because we've gone a long way. And I had a little graphic for us. Uh, there's a virtual boy on there. I don't know if you remember that Nintendo oh, sure. console right before the N64 came out. So a little bit farther from that. Uh, but there is still an entry barrier when it comes to virtual reality now at first you had to plug it into computers like this almost like a steam powered thing and it just wasn't accessible now obviously there's just wireless ones we can put them on your head so where do you think it's going and like how affordable do you think it will be in the future uh you know because that's that's it that's basically the only thing keeping the metaverse from being the biggest thing in the world right is the as people having the virtual headset to get in there
1: yeah so i've been doing an awful lot of talking and and To people that are in the technology field, that are they're starting to build tools that the general public can buy that can so that they can participate in the metaverse, and I think you're going to see the cost of all of those the head whether it's headsets or whether it's VR uh, uh, headsets, you're, you're going to see it come down. It's going to it's going to come down. and It's going to reach the masses, but and, and it's going to it's going to be necessary because the, I think just my vision is that the internet that we know today, the internet that you and I are using right now is going to be kind of thing of the past. It'll be like the old eight track tape. And I, I think what you're going to eventually do is you're going to go into the metaverse and it, for example, let's take Amazon. So Amazon, uh, you go uh, to, to look up, uh, you need a new pair of shoes. So you're going to look at a two dimensional picture uh, uh, to buy that pair of shoes. And the metaverse, you're going to be able to pick that, that shoe up, and you're going to be able to turn it, you're going to be able to look at it, and you're going to be able to say, Okay, I like this. And then you're going to be able to hit a button to buy it. You know, so it's, it's every, I believe that everything will eventually direct the population to the metaverse. At some point, everybody's going to be involved in the metaverse. And the other exciting thing that's happened, whether it's, you know, i I selected TCG.World. Uh, but there's all up, there, there's going to be hundreds of these metaverses uh, in the coming years, and I know now, and I've talked to several groups. There, there's guys now designing highway, super highway that will connect wow. that you're going to be able to go from metaverse to metaverse to metaverse to metaverse. Guy, it's just good. <laughs> it's, it, I that's get un- like I got chills coming up on my arms thinking about what you do, and and you're talking about a revenue model, guys. If your brain can imagine it, you can monetize it in the in the metaverse for a fraction of the cost of what you can do in the real world. It is crazy. And
0: there's just no question. It's the wave of the future. And to hop on board again, our guest today, uh, John Whitman, Jr., founder and chairman of the board. for uh gg tour inc and uh, again uh, you've been listening about the metaverse and what they're doing and there's no question it's the wave of the future you see that zuckerberg doesn't get involved and to change the name of a company as profound as facebook you know it's the real deal and uh, as you mentioned a multi-billions of dollars are going to head that way in the future john really appreciate you taking the time Listen, out guys the thanks for tonight. having
1: me on i appreciate it best of luck to you look forward to our next
0: meeting absolutely again john whitman jr founder and chairman of the board of gg tours inc uh spence real quick just give a quick update on wimbledon uh the final right now they are in the fourth set it's tied 4-4 the jokers up two sets to one um i should say two games to one uh but uh two sets to one but um We'll see what happens we'll keep you informed and uh you know it's five sets but if the joker wins this one it's over i i want to see it go all five man i mean i really uh i'm really intrigued man like i said i wish uh, i wish frankie was here to check this out he would be absolutely loving it a couple things obviously we'll talk about i want to talk about the um you know major league baseball all star game we'll talk much more about that next sunday but um the starters were all announced Uh, The reserves and the pitchers are going to be announced today about 2.30 our time, Uh, but on Friday, uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred named Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera to the all-star rosters. Miguel was going to make it anyways. I mean, for God's sakes, right now, Spencer, it is crazy. Uh, This guy who this year eclipsed 3,000 hits, who eclipsed 500 home runs. Well, what's he doing this year? He could have easily shut it down. Tank started taking some days off. He's got three homers on the season, but he's batting 304, which is ninth in Major League Baseball right now, which is unbelievable. 31 RBIs on the season as well. And career wise, 505 home runs right now, 27th on the all time list. He's got a career batting average of 310, and batting over 300 against this year, so that shouldn't drop off too much. 1,835 RBIs, 17th in Major League Baseball history, um, two time MVP, 11 time all-star with the tigers and the marlins from 2003 to 2022 i don't know where we're going to rank him when it's all said and done as far as the greatest hitters in the game but one of the most pure most natural strokes i've ever seen and um it is nothing short now is he going to catch pete rose nobody's going to catch pete rose, pete rose in our lifetime or the next and sooner or later guys this guy's got to get into the hall of fame i mean he might have been and might still be an asshole off the field he might have had a gambling problem uh, they've never proven that he ever did anything to tank his game like he said whenever he bet on the teams that he was playing and he bet on himself to win so you know he can't yeah betting to lose but the bottom line is is when you look at what miguel's done and the magnificence of his career and they and And you think that Pete Rose is still over a thousand hits in front of him. That's unbelievable. But uh, Miguel Cabrera, man, hats off. I'm so happy that he is in the All-Star game. Looking forward to seeing him get on the field in his 11th All-Star game, man. Really, really, really cool. Uh, Spencer, let's jump over. I wanted to really quickly also talk about the NBA Summer League, uh, the NBA 2K23 Summer League 2022 taking place right now through the 17th at the Thomas & Mack and Cox Pavilion on the campus of UNLV. Um, Spencer, some of the guys – to you. Banchero, I know, is one of the guys that's really stood out. Two games. I don't even think he's going to play another game. I think they're going to shut this guy down. They realize how good he is. He may be the cream of this year's crop from what I've seen very briefly in the summer league. What have you noticed? What are you seeing? And any surprises so far? It's early on yet in this year's summer league. Uh,
2: no, it's actually been like very exciting. Actually, I have a highlight to show you. If this If You're this doesn't ad- prove to you that Las Vegas should be the next team to have an NBA team, I don't know what will. Slips out to the corner.
0: Kata for three. Okay. Oh Kata. Great play. Three-point game, Doris. Great execution. And the steal. They can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert
2: that's an NBA summer league game, Brian. I mean, that's really cool. And Murray is another guy that I want.
0: Murray's another guy. I wanted to mention that really is having a good summer league as well early on, but yeah, no, it did feel that was really cool. Highlight Spencer. And, how many people and my friends are you going to summer league you know it's the first year since summer league's been in existence that i didn't get us credentials i'm pretty bummed about it but i'm playing poker i've just got a lot going on so and i know you're going, the, going you're, you're, you're going tomorrow anyway <laughs> <No way. laughs> and uh, we'll get chris Wynn on to talk about it i know he uh he attends the summer league every year and uh is, is a big part of it but it has become a staple in las vegas an anticipated staple and yesterday driving down tropicana past thomas and mac that place was packed man i mean the traffic uh it is no joke anymore this is something that people take very seriously they really enjoy and really look forward to and it's not surprising you know listening to a few of the interviews the guys want to win now. They want to they actually have championship win.
2: Championship rings this yes, year. Yes, this
0: year they're putting giving them championship, and the guys really want to win summer league. They're not just. Yes, it is to showcase their talents and make make a case for them being on an NBA roster. But it is also now becoming competitive to the point that the teams actually want to advance and win. And I love when I see that, and that just that just speaks volumes to the popularity of the summer league and how important it is viewed now.
2: No no and, and a great thing it's it's really become its own it, like before I was there in the very first Las Vegas Summer Leagues that's how long I've been going to it I talked to the Atlanta GM, I'm sure he's not the GM now anymore, but like he was literally sitting in the stands, and it was like almost empty. And we we're sitting there, I was talking to the guy. It... I
0: walked into the game with Mike Brown and we're <laughs> yeah. walking down the <laughs> tunnel together right after he had just led Golden State when uh Steve Kerr was remember he was yeah. out yeah. and Mike Brown came in and led them to the NBA title. And there he is in the summer league. And I'm talking to him. I run into Pat McCaw in the parking lot, yep. you know, when he was popular and still playing. I mean, it is incredible who you run into. I've talked to Luke Walton there. Um, you know just so many people over the course of time sat right like three seats away from LeBron James. Yeah, it's just not like that no, anymore. It's so, no, you know, Mayweather goes, shows up at the games. Everybody to, be able
2: to float between the, the two, the, the Cox pavilion and the Thomas. Yeah, it's and Mac. so cool. You got to pick your seat now, because if you try to go later for a big game, it will not. Yeah, it be used
0: there. to, used to be not a problem getting a seat in that house. It is tough now. And it is really cool. Get down Thomas and that Cox pavilion all the way till the 17th. Um, I'm bummed that this will be the last year, the first and only year I don't get (laughs) credentials for the summer league. I'll be going from now on. Uh, I'm missing a lot and I'm kind of bummed I'm missing all that, but really, really cool. Uh, Spencer, Uh, We'll move over to women's basketball now. the 2022 AT&T WNBA All-Star Game will be played in Chicago at Wintrust Arena today at 1 o'clock Eastern. So it's starting uh, pretty much right after our show here, about an hour from after the show ends on ABC. Uh, Las Vegas Aces, Aja Wilson, and Seattle Storm's Brianna Stewart received the most votes and were named co-captains of the All-Star Game. The league also named Minnesota Lynx's uh, Sylvia Fowles and Seattle Storm's Sue Bird as co-captains as both players announced their retirement after this season. So they made them co-captains. Brittany Griner was named an honorary all-star and starter as she still remains detained in Russia. Four Las Vegas aces in this all-star game, three of them starting.
2: Yeah, no, it's pretty exciting. And uh, th- there is one thing, though. So I watched the like the skills challenge yesterday, and it was pretty entertaining. But these girls have to get better on the microphone. I, I know that sounds kind of crazy and like, You could say NBA players aren't, but they have like NBA players have these big personalities. And that's one of the biggest things that I've talked about when it comes to the WNBA growing because the girls are getting better. Brian or uh, Sabrina Ionescu had a 30 point triple double like two weeks ago. Literally like never done before the first time in WNBA history. So the talent from even just two years ago, significantly better. When you talk about Asia and, and uh, Ionoscu coming into the league, it's changed the face of it. And, like, these girls are better than anyone who's ever come before them, pretty much, you know, barring the girl from the Phoenix, of course. She's, like, literally legendary. But uh, this new crop is coming in. But they got to learn to, I don't know, up themselves. Maybe it's through social media. I think it has to be – like, there needs to be more beef. How is the NBA not driven by drama? There is no drama in the WNBA. And I know these girls probably don't want to, like, have – fake interactions with each other, but I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but it just, it feels too cordial to me. And I think that's a big problem.
0: Uh, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a really interesting sp- point, Spencer, something I've honestly never even thought about. I thought there's a lot of drama this year because of the Brittany Griner situation and not being around the WNBA has been in the news a lot more than it had that's ever true. been because of that. Um, you know, it, but um, you know, the, the, the thing that I don't like and uh, NBA all-star game, this all game, you know, it should be conference versus conference. I, I don't agree. like picking teams. I, lo- I I hate the fact that you have aces on both teams. I-, I just hate it. I think that at least you, if you draft a player, if one of these from one team, then you have to take any other player from that team that you wanted to be an all-star. They've gotta be, it just, it just bothers me, Spencer. It's like, you know, I would hate it if like baseball ever did something like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, that you know, that, but that'll never happen. I, I yeah. pray it never happens. But, you know, don't pick teams. We're starting to see this in all the sports now, and it's making me a little bit ill. Conference (laughs) should play against conference. That's what makes it exciting. And uh, that's why why Major League Baseball All-Star Game will always be the best All-Star Game. Are none, because, uh, you know, I didn't like when they were competing in Major League Baseball All-Star Game to host the World Series. Oh, yeah, I thought wild. that was crap. <laughs> wild. There should have been something else. You know, they incentivize them monetarily, obviously, the winning players get a little bit more money, but something different than that. But still, those guys go out there and give their all, both offensively and defensively, and typically, all, All-Star Games are all offensive. In baseball, you see both offensive and defensive, and that's what I love about it. But other than that, I'm kind of excited to watch the game today. It's really cool to see Jackie Young as a starter where a couple years ago all of us were saying wow she might be a bust right. and she has really developed into a hell of a basketball player and it's nice to see Kelsey Plum this happened really happened last year when she recovered from her Achilles injury but she has become one of the one of the premier scorers now in the WNBA Kelsey Plum is a go-to person establishing herself as one of the best point guards and I, and I love seeing it because um you know she was such a prolific scorer at in Washington in college and man she just for for a little while she was having trouble shooting 10 foot jump shots and now she's her perimeter game has gotten tremendous her ability to distribute the basketball's gotten Gotten really good, and she just has great floor vision and is a really cerebral basketball player. And I love seeing her get an opportunity in the All-Star game. De'Arah uh, Hamby is well in the game, and of course Asia Wilson, captaining one of the teams. Pretty cool. Real good. I'm
2: just going to say you have to give a ton of credit to Coach Popovich uh, for his coaching tree, because now Becky Hammond's obviously in that. Mike Budenholzer obviously just won a championship recently with the Milwaukee Bucks. Taylor Jenkins, you know, with the Grizzlies. Mike Brown was just hired by the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I don't think it's coincidence that all those coaches are successful.
0: (laughs) You know, the thing with Popovich is, obviously he's a really good mentor besides being arguably – the second best coach in NBA history. He can't be number I mean, one because he made the biggest coaching mistake in NBA. Final he did, history. <laughs> he did. But, but you know, the thing is, is um, he really is he obviously has, a great mentor. And amazing. Becky Hammond has fit in tremendously. Although speaking of the aces, the aces have lost two in a row, Spencer in five of their last seven games, 15 and seven record in the WNBA. They're not the best record anymore. And now they're only a half a game ahead of the Seattle storm in the Western conference. Uh, the next two games after the all-star break, they get Tuesday and Thursday, to New York to play the Liberty they just got beat by the Liberty right before the all-star break Spencer reason for concern
2: um I, I don't know I mean everybody hits a wall I feel like and I, I, don't, I feel like the team is too relaxed to be honest with you I don't know what kind of attitude it is maybe it's because they were just lo- really looking forward to the all-star break I hope to see some new focus and I know it's the all-star game and they're interviewing Asia it just seemed too loosey-goosey to me but you know me I, I read too
0: far into everything 5-5 five, five now, right now, in the fourth set between Djokovic and... Uh, um, uh, y- 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 I'm just taking a look. I thought they just updated it again. No, still, it, it, it's right now he's up. Uh, it's tied 5-5, so we'll see what happens. Kyrgios and uh, Djokovic, man, I, I, I appreciate you listening to the show. You can put the, game, put the match on in the background. It's uh, probably going to be spectacular. Can't wait to get home and see it. And Spencer, finally, the Las Vegas Aviators report. Uh, the Aviators have won two in a row and five of the last seven, 47 and 36 in the season, still in first place in the Western Division and tied for the second-best record in the Pacific Coast League. Uh, two Tuesday, they're back at the Las Vegas ballpark for a six-game homestand against the Salt Lake uh, City Bees. It's pretty cool again for the second straight year to see this team making a playoff push. Because you know, yes, it's AAA. Yes, what really hampers a lot of these teams when it gets close to the postseason is that it's in September, and a lot of these guys, the the pros, the good prospects, get called up. And here, a team makes a run all the way to the playoffs, and then now they're going to call. T- players up from double and single a to fill in for their players that are getting an opportunity to play on the big league roster right when it's the playoff. That's the only anticlimactic thing about a triple a baseball. But other than that, like, it is a lot of fun. You've got the best stadium in the country for triple a baseball right next to uh, red rock, uh, red rock up there oh, in yeah. Summerlin. I mean, it is, if you haven't been to Las yeah, Vegas ballpark, you got to get out there. It's the best value sporting event in Las Vegas, in my opinion, and just a beautiful venue. I know it's hot out there drink a lot of water, enjoy yourself, not a bad seat in the house, and a great place to watch baseball. We're just about out of time. Spence, I want to um, of course thank John Whitman Jr. for joining the joining the show again. I want to thank you for uh, hosting it, getting him on the show and of course back in the Fox Sports residential bank club studio, our producer Chris Beckham-Chapman wouldn't know what to do without that guy. Also, the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Lights Radio Network and uh, like I said, it's pretty cool to have a guy, uh, although he's from the East Coast as well, but the talk's Hockey as much as I do, and uh, and and knows and loves the sport and appreciates it. It's, it's really cool to have him producing the show for songs. So so I want to uh, thank all you guys. Uh, we didn't get to thank. I uh, wish everyone a happy Independence Day and Happy Fourth last week. So happy belated Fourth of July. Hell of an Independence Day here in Vegas with all kinds of fireworks, all kinds of things going on. We'll, we'll wrap up on the NBA Summer League next week. Of course, we'll talk uh, uh, Major League Baseball All Star Game next week and. Uh, God, I can't believe it, man. Football is right around the corner. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, and how can you not be having fun in Vegas? Once again, I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We appreciate you listening. We are here. Same place, same time every Sunday morning, 8 to 9 o'clock. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.